Section 21 of Lives of the Ancient Philosophers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Lives of the Ancient Philosopher by Francois Fenelon. Section 21. Aristippus. Aristippus, contemporary with Plato, and lived in the sixty-ninth olympiad aristippus was originally from cyrene in libya he was induced to leave his native country and settle at athens in order to enjoy the pleasure of listening to socrates of whose great reputation he was continually hearing he became one of the principal disciples of that philosopher though his conduct was very opposite to the precepts imparted to him in this excellent school from him the sect which he formed was called cyreniac from cyrene his native city aristippus had a brilliant imagination and a lively wit his conversation was agreeable and abounded with well-timed pleasantries even on the most trifling topics his chief aim was to flatter kings and persons of rank he was always ready to lend himself to their wishes he made them laugh and under the semblance of a jest drew from them whatever he wished if they insulted or reproached him he turned it into a matter of raillery so that they found it impossible to quarrel with him even if they wished to he was so clever and insinuating that he always succeeded with the utmost ease to himself in everything he undertook and so happy was his temper that he retained without effort the utmost equality of mind in whatever circumstances he might be placed plato sometimes said to him there is not a man in the world aristippus except yourself who can wear old rags with as good a grace as if they were robes of the most magnificent purple horace says of this philosopher that he could assume any character he pleased and was always contented with the little he possessed even at the moment that he was seeking to make it more these qualities recommended him greatly to dionysius the tyrant who set more store by him than all the rest of his courtiers aristippus often went to syracuse to enjoy himself at the table of dionysius and when he grew weary of the sameness of it he varied the scene by going to the houses of other great personages thus passing his life between one court and another for which he was never spoken of by diogenes the cynic under any other appellation than that of the royal dog one day dionysius spit in his face by which some of the company were considerably disconcerted but aristippus laughed at their uneasiness saying i should indeed want something to complain of fishermen suffer themselves to be wet to the skin in the hope of catching a small fish and if i want to catch a whale i need only suffer a little saliva to be thrown in my face dionysius being displeased with him on another occasion pointed out the lowest place to him when they were about to sit down to table you intend then to make this the place of honour said aristippus no way put out of countenance at the affront aristippus was the first of socrates disciples who extracted any reward for the instructions he might communicate and in order to gain a precedent for his conduct he sent twenty minae or about sixty pounds sterling to socrates himself socrates however not only refused the money 
but resented the offer of it ever afterwards a circumstance which did not appear to give aristippus the smallest regret when any one reproached him with his behavior in this respect and contrasted it with the disinterestedness of his master who never required reward from any person that is another matter he would reply all the great men of athens rejoice in an opportunity of ministering to the wants of socrates insomuch that he is often obliged to send back a good part of what is actually forced upon him whilst as to myself i have scarcely a rascally slave to care a farthing about me a man brought his son to him one day to be instructed by him and begged that he would take particular care of him for this care aristippus demanded fifty drachmas how replied the father fifty drachmas why with that i could buy a slave do then retorted aristippus in that case you will have a pair we are not however to infer from this that aristippus was a miser on the contrary he wished for money only that he might spend it and show others the use that ought to be made of it being at sea once he was told that the vessel on board which he was belonged to pirates on hearing this he pulled all his money out of his pocket and whilst apparently engaged in counting it he let it purposely fall into the sea he heaved a deep sigh as if the bag had accidentally dropped out of his hands but at the same time he said in a low voice better for aristippus to lose his money than for his money to lose aristippus another time seeing that his slave who was following him could not keep up with him on account of a load of money which he was carrying throw some of it away he said if it be too heavy and only keep what you can carry with ease chorus speaking of persons who place their sole consequence in their wealth advises them occasionally to imitate the conduct of aristippus in this instance aristippus was fond of good living and spared no expense to procure a delicacy one day he paid fifty drachmas for a partridge one of his friends could not refrain from censuring him for what appeared to him an act of shameful extravagance if it had cost you only an abolus you would have bought it yourself i suppose said aristippus very likely so replied the other well then returned aristippus i value fifty drachmas still less than you value a single obolus another time he bought some rarities at a high price and a person who was present took upon himself to reprimand him accordingly would not you give three aboli for them asked aristippus certainly replied the other then returned aristippus i am not so much of an epicure as you are of a miser being reproached with his luxurious way of living he replied that if there were any harm in good cheer there would not be such magnificent entertainments at the festivals of the gods even plato whose own modes of life were sufficiently splendid could not help warning him against falling into habits of too much indulgence do you think dionysius a virtuous man asked aristippus i do replied plato well said aristippus he lives far more luxuriously than i do it shows therefore that habits of indulgence are no way inimical to virtuous principles diogenes was one day washing herbs according to his usual custom at that moment aristippus happened to pass by 
if you knew how to content yourself with herbs as i do said diogenes you would trouble yourself very little about paying court to princes and if you had the art of paying court to princes replied aristippus you would soon find your herbs not quite so savoury dionysius one day presented three ladies to aristippus telling him he might take his choice of them aristippus took them all three saying choice may err you well know the ills that paris drew upon himself by his choice the two that i should leave may work me more mischief than the one that i might take could ever do me good accordingly he led the ladies as far as the vestibule and then immediately sent them back to their own houses at another time dionysius asked him how it came to pass that philosophers are always to be found in the abode of princes but that princes are never found in the abode of philosophers it is because philosophers know what they are in want of and princes do not replied aristippus being asked the same question by another person he answered by remarking that we see physicians for the sick and we find no one who would not rather prescribe for a sick person than be sick himself it is good he would say to prune the passions but not to tear them up by the roots there is no crime in gratifying the senses provided we do not suffer ourselves to be enslaved by them it was according to this view of his subject that when rallied on his acquaintance with the courtesan lias he said it is true that i possess lias but lias does not possess me he was one day in the act of entering the residence of this celebrated female when one of his disciples happening to go past at that moment saw him and blushed aristippus perceived it and said to him there is no reason to be ashamed my friend of going into the house of this kind it is not being able to leave it again that we ought to be ashamed of the philosopher polyzenus came to see him and the first thing he perceived on entering the room was a magnificent entertainment and a great number of ladies splendidly dressed he immediately fell into a transport of indignation and began to exclaim against such abominable luxury aristippus asked him very good-humouredly if he would not sit down at table with them with all my heart replied the philosopher why then said aristippus have you wasted so much breath on the matter it seems that it is neither the company nor the good cheer that you object to it therefore can only be at the expense aristippus had had a dispute with eschines which had left such a coldness between them that they could not see each other for a considerable length of time at last aristippus went to the house of eschines well he said to him are we never to make up our quarrels or are we to wait till anybody laughs at us and parasites make their entertainers merry at our expense it gives me the greatest pleasure to see you again replied ischines and i am most willing to be reconciled to you well then said aristippus bear it in mind that i have paid you the first visit although i am your senior dionysius one day gave a splendid entertainment at the close of which he desired each of the guests to clothe himself in a loose purple robe and take his part in a dance in the middle of the hall plato refused to do either saying that he was a man and that therefore so effeminate a dress was unworthy of him aristippus however raised no difficulties he put on his robe and began to dance about saying gaily 
we do worse things than these at the festivals of bacchus yet no one is corrupted there if he had not been corrupted before having once to intercede with dionysius for one of his best friends the tyrant not being in a humour to comply with his request repulsed him with severity aristippus instantly drew himself to his feet to some the act appeared to savour of psychophancy it is not my fault said aristippus but dionysius's for carrying his ears in his sandals whilst aristippus was at syracuse simus a phrygian and treasurer to dionysius showed him his superb palace and particularly directed his attention to the magnificence of the floors aristippus immediately fell a coughing and then spit in the face of simus who very naturally felt extremely angry with him my good friend said aristippus i saw no other place dirty enough for me to venture to spit upon by some this adventure or one very like it is attributed to diogenes they were either of them capable of it a man one day began to abuse aristippus violently the philosopher took to his heels his enemy pursued him crying out to him what you run away you cowardly miscreant do you i do replied aristippus because you have the faculty of pouring out abuse and i have not the faculty of listening to it aristippus was once on his passage to corinth when a furious tempest suddenly arose and put him into a terrible fright some of the passengers on board could not help laughing at his alarm we ignoramuses said they are afraid of nothing and you philosophers are all on a tremble we are not all concerned alike said aristippus there is a great deal of difference between the wise and the ignorant in what they have to lose being asked what the difference really was between the wise man and an ignorant one he answered strip them both naked and turn them adrift among strangers and you will soon discover the difference he thought it far more desirable to be poor than ignorant because the poor man might be deficient only in money the other in everything that gave value to a human being insomuch that one was like a horse that had never been broken and the other like one accustomed to be menage being reproached with neglecting his son and casting him off as if he had not been of his own generating we all know that we generate vermin and phlegm he said but i do not find that we are less anxious to get rid of them on that account one day dionysius made a present of money to aristippus and of books to plato some of the bystanders wished from this distinction to draw an inference to the disadvantage of aristippus he replied i stand in need of money and plato stands in need of books another time aristippus requested dionysius to give him a talent how was this asked dionysius you once told me that wise men never wanted money first give me the talent replied aristippus then we will discuss the matter dionysius accordingly gave him one and then continued well it is as i have said you see i am not in need of money as aristippus went very often to syracuse dionysius took it into his head one day to ask him what he came for i come said aristippus to impart to you what i possess and to receive from you what you possess being reproached with leaving socrates in order to pay his court to dionysius when i required wisdom said he i went to socrates 
now that i require money i go to dionysius are you not ashamed said he to a young man who was proud of his swimming to value yourself on such a trifle every dolphin can swim much better than you can being asked what benefit he derived from his philosophy that of being able to speak freely to men in all conditions replied he upon another occasion being pressed to state the advantage which philosophers possess over other persons he replied that with laws or without they would live exactly in the same manner the sereniacs attached themselves almost exclusively to morality and very little to logic to physics they paid no attention because they did not believe it possible to attain any positive knowledge of them they held the end of human actions to be pleasure not merely exemption from pain but a positive pleasure consisting in motion they admitted two different kinds of movement in the soul one calm which constituted pleasure the other violent which constituted pain as all mankind have an instinctive love of pleasure and aversion from pain they draw the inference that pleasure is the end and aim of all human existence a state of inaction they consider as synonymous with one of sleep which could be classed under the head neither of pleasure nor of pain virtue they regarded as a mere physical good insomuch as the exercise of it is connected with pleasure thus considering it only as a medicine which is valued so far as it contributes to health and no more happiness they said differed from pleasure in this respect that pleasure as resulting from any human action was only in consequence of some particular view of action to which it was confined whereas happiness was an assemblage of all the pleasures combined they considered the pleasures of the body as much more certain than those of the mind and hence they paid much more attention to one than the other even with respect to friendship they held that it was only desirable to cultivate it because we might occasionally require the assistance of friends and that they ought like the members of the body to be valued only in proportion as they were useful to us they maintained likewise that there was not any action that could be deemed just or unjust virtuous or vicious in itself but that it appeared either one or the other according as it might have relations to the laws and customs of a country that a wise man ought not to commit a wrong action because he ought to consider the consequences that might result from it and that on the same principle he ought always to conform himself to the laws of the country which he might inhabit and to avoid everything that might tend to cast a shade upon his reputation this sect likewise held that there was not anything either agreeable or disagreeable in itself and that things appear so only with relation to their novelty frequency or in short any other circumstance that makes them seem so to us that it is impossible to be perfectly happy in this world because the thousand passions and infirmities to which we are subjected either rob us entirely of pleasure or at least disturb us in the enjoyment of it that neither liberty nor slavery riches nor poverty rank nor humble birth have any influence on happiness and that it is possible to be equally happy in any condition that a wise man ought to endeavor to instruct any one and to hate no one but that he ought in everything he does to pay due attention to himself no one being more worthy of every good his wisdom 
in fact rendering him of far more value than anything else in the world had to offer such were the sentiments of aristippus and the cyrenaics in general aristippus had one daughter named arita he educated her with great care in his own principles and she became so well informed in them that she instructed her own son aristippus who was on that account named metrodidactus or taught by his mother he became the master of theodorus the impious this detestable man in addition to the general principles of the cynics taught publicly that there was no god and that friendship was a mere chimera as it could not exist among fools and the wise did not require its aid being in all things sufficient to themselves that a wise man was not called upon to risk his personal safety for his native country as the world at large was the only country he acknowledged and that in point of justice it was not right to hazard the life of a man of that description in defence of a number of fools that a philosopher might commit theft sacrilege or adultery whenever a favourable opportunity of doing so presented itself and that such acts were crimes only in the opinion of the vulgar and unenlightened there not being in fact any such thing as evil and in short that he might do those things publicly which were accounted most infamous by the people in general theodorus expected on one occasion to be taken before the areopagus but he was saved by demetrius phalerius he remained some time at cyrene where he was treated with great consideration by marius but he was at last banished by the cyrenians when he was taking his departure he said to them you know not what you do in sending me from libya an exile into greece he took refuge in the court of ptolemy lagus who once sent him in the capacity of ambassador to lysimachus in this character he expressed himself with such undaunted effrontery that the minister of lysimachus said to him i suppose theodorus you imagine that there are no kings as well as no gods the philosopher was according to amphicrates at last condemned to death and forced to drink poison of the death of aristippus the original promulgator of principles so fraught with evil in their consequences no particulars are known End of section 21